songs. Three songs. Three songs. Three songs. Bobby Mike, it's Bobby Mike. 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 A three song. Three. Three song. That's right. Episode one twelve. Three songs podcast. Bob. Good Mike. number. Good number. One twelve. Yeah. Welcome, Bob Nastanovich. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, it's funny April. that you should mention 112, but no, I'm not going to tell horse racing, sorry. Okay. But like, I will quickly. I'll make it a 30-second one. So, obviously, um, there isn't much horse racing, um, and, you know, I'm a horse racing chunky, and you're not. You're a horse racing fan and, and historian, and, but I, you know... I'm a horse racing junkie, and so um, I found it interesting that people are watching Fauner Park in Nebraska, <laughs> da-da-da-da, and like, that's great that, you know, they're making a lot of handle. I worked there last year briefly, and it's a great spot, great people. Nebraska's a great racing state. But the best racing that happens weekly in general is <clears throat> on Friday night in the U.S. and Saturday afternoon in Australia, so, and I've followed Australian racing since they first allowed us to bet on it, you know, I'd say at this point, 25 years ago, coming on like, you know, late at night. And I know a lot of the players and, you know, it's beautiful racing to watch. And, and on Saturdays of extremely high quality. Um, and so last night I'm playing a pick three and the first horse paid seven bucks and the second paid 112. Wow. Okay. And I had them both. And wow. then the third leg, I had the winner with five other horses, and that one paid four bucks. Okay, so hmm. what would you think a pick three would pay with a $7 horse, and a $112 horse, and a $4 horse? And big fields. We're talking like, you know, I'd say an average number of 13 runners per race. For a dollar, um, I'm going to guess uh, 500 Yeah, for a dollar, it paid 250 Oof. <laughs> <laughs> When that one hundred twelve dollar horse came across the line, I'm thinking like, "This is going to be a good old Friday night here in the old gambling den." But <clears throat> when the smoke cleared, I was up twenty dollars. Uh, uh, damn. Well, but I had a great time. So, and I'm grateful, um, you know, to have that to have entertainment that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Um, in addition to music and stuff like that, but like, you know, and you're not like a freaky sports fan you're a sports fan horse racing is your major jam when it comes to sports right yeah and baseball but you yeah know. so like you know so but you know i mean it so yeah i'd say and i'm grateful for whatever they get keep going under you know hopefully safe conditions it seems like they're being you know exercising precaution um i have yeah. a mayor named red livy and and they shut down gold gate so da 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 but um, anyways, that's beside the point. One twelve made me think of it. Hundred twelve dollar <laughs> horse. I was like, oh, that's a hundred twelve dollar horse, and you went like five deep in a thirteen horse field. I I should have bet five across on the horse, you know. But who knows? Who knows? No. Someday. I'm not, I'm not whining. I, I just I just um, I just think it was kind of funny. Yeah, that's that's cool. You know, you know that feeling when you're when you think like, oh my god, like you know, like this seventeen dollar bet 
that's going to make a thousand dollars, then you end up making like nothing, you know. Essentially, <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird feeling. I hear you. I hear you. Well, let's let's play some music. Um, April fourth, two thousand twenty. No, I have many more dull racing stories. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll have plenty <laughs> of time for that later. Um, I'm going to go relatively current. I'm going to go to a band. I think they just broke up. Unfortunately, actually. Um, but they're from Oakland. But I thought you told me they were recent, so they... Yeah, so recent. They, yeah, they did just... they exist for a while? They they existed for a few years. This album came out... This They're from their debut record called... Well, the, the, band, the band is called The World. And it's yeah. from their debut record called... The World, like as in The World. The World. As in, not, as in W-O-R-L-D as opposed to... W-H-I-R-L-E-D. Right, exactly. Um, Not the whirling dervish world, um, (laughs) but the world uh, from their album called First World Record, which, of course, is their debut, cleverly titled. Um, Oakland Band, 2017, this one came out, and I think they just broke up a few months ago. So who knows? Maybe they'll get back together. Maybe maybe they'll decide after the global pandemic that they they want to be together playing music. But... um, this is this is yeah, they're they're fun. They're kind of like um, you know like post punk, um, sort of along the lines of some of the bands like Shopping and you know similar bands like that that are happening in other parts of the world. Um, this one's called Cool. little song huh yeah i like their aesthetic yeah yeah the guitar player's got kind of a one of my guitar heroes joe biza saccharine trust he's kind of he shreds a little bit like Biza. biza yeah biza reference love joe biza um oh it's the greatest man they're a band that that it's it's a shame they broke up because um they'd be fun to see live um if oh for sure if and when if when there was live music happening again but yeah good good record kind of fun check it out i think you might dig it yeah no absolutely i will the, the one i'm looking at is called reddish um that they, song wasn't on there 
No, they, so they they put out a few different records. That's their first, I think, full length LP, um, and then they put out a like the twelve inch. What you're talking about is is I think more of like a twelve inch EP, um, six or seven songs that came out just last year. So, uh, yeah, good band. Yeah, no, that, that was really cool. I really enjoyed that. <clears throat> Thanks, Whit. <laughs> Hi, Whit. Yeah, with 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 some working on an art piece. Um, yeah, she got a she's um, a, a fortunate artist that she got a well timed commission to do a piece. So that's great. That's pretty cool. We watched the whole. She's even worked outside a few days. Usually she does it all in the basement, but um, on the occasional pretty day, she's been able to perform her art outside. Um, so. I keep, I, I keep thinking, like, it must be nice to be an artist or somebody who writes songs right now. And it's been kind of fun to watch an artist do their art because um, I can't write songs. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, you know, oh, Bob, you know, why don't you write a song? It's like, <clears throat> mm, I can't. I mean, I've tried. And I've tried. In fact, I recorded a song with a local um, buddy of mine, a guy named, I think I played him on the show, Gloom Balloon, Patrick Tate Fleming. And he's like, a, he's a home studio whiz. And like, I, went, I, I was specifically trying to write a song that was going to be like, ideally used at um, sporting events um, in a similar fashion to uh, Rock and the White Stripe song or like yeah. Blur or <laughs> just, <clears throat> just something ridiculously catchy. Gary Glitter. Yeah, yeah, Gary Glitter. I mean, there's a number of them. Um, you usually, I don't care whether you're watching a sporting event with 500 people there or 50,000, you'll hear essentially the same soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether it's college, pro, mm-hmm. high school, anything. Jock and I just wanted like, I just wanted to be like the guy that made the like the 18th song on that list, and. Um, <laughs> I wrote really corny basketball lyrics and all kinds of stuff, and I went over there and recorded it in like 40 minutes, and I thought it turned out really good. And I played it for a lot of people, and I was actually in London, um, in Dalston, um, at a really great free jazz club, and I was playing it for my friend John on the sidewalk, and this... A uh, young lady came up to me and told me it sounded. She thought I was listening to "Nag Nag Nag" by Cabaret Voltaire, and that really made my confidence surge. Like that's a great song. And but then I recently realized that um, that uh, I saw Patrick say somewhere on social media that that yeah, Bob came over to my house one day and made a really awful song. <laughs> and I was like, hold on, you know. So maybe I'll play that for you if I can find. That'd I be think, fun. I, think I have like a like single burden CD, so you can have a laugh. So you know the listeners at home can have a laugh. But that, um, that would be fun. Anyways, without um, it's called bad. That's what it's called. That was bad. Maybe that's what he meant. Was when you played a bad song. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, maybe it was a compliment of course. Anyways, let's play some complete classic rock of the Brazilian psychedelic variety. Um, uh, I've always called this band Os Mutantes, but uh, and this is a song from their first record in 1968. But, um, you know, when I go on the show and I know that I'm going to be 
failing miserably at almost in a laughable sense. And you and I have both been through this about mispronouncing words. I actually go to pronunciation guides, and this band's actually called Os Mutanchis, is how you say it in Brazil. Os, Os Mutanchis. Okay. Like with a CH towards the end. Uh-huh. But this is uh, Rita Lee, Arnaldo uh-huh. Baptista, the brilliant Sergio Diaz on guitar off their first record, which is of the self-titled ver- variety, oh. um, Aminha Manina, which is just a, it's just a simple song, just a simple love song, but it sounds wacky. It's a classic. <laughs> Shit. 
Os Mutanches. Yeah, Mutanches, yeah. Mutanches. Um, you know, and that, like, obviously when you hear the song, um, the lyrics are in Portuguese, um, but Amina Menina just means my girl, and, like, the verses are like, she's my girl, I'm her boy, she's my love, and I'm fully her love. The silver moon has gone into hiding, the golden sun came up, a beautiful day has dawned, smelling like joy. The rose bush has already given roses, and she's the rose I've gotten for her love. I put my heart in front of my brains. I mean, like, <laughs> it's just like young people in love. Yeah. Uh, and um, it's interesting the way young people from Sao Paulo, who are uniquely talented musicians, um, decided to like make a simple love song that became a, at least in Latin America, a complete piece of classic rock. But yeah. I think that's kind of like, it's almost like, in some sense, although they were not as straight pop and more trippy, um, mostly because of the musicianship of Baptista and Diaz, like, it's essentially like Brazilian Beatles to me in a way. Yeah, or or even Brazilian Velvet Underground, you know, I mean... Yeah, that kind of thing, like, you know, that... Like, like that, legends. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of ahead of their time, and, you know, I mean, I can't think of too many other bands, Brazilian or otherwise, that were doing a mix of acoustic guitar and fuzz guitar, you know, and writing songs like that, that were kind of catchy at the same time. You know, it's they're 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 unique. They're very of their time, but they're also very ahead of their time. And Rita Lee, the the woman in the band, who went on to um, some of her songs are amazing. I should have brought one of those tonight. Maybe I'll bring one. Yeah, next time. Because because her her talents aren't really featured in that song. But I mean, they they played in a cluster. They played really close together. The three of them at the start. Now, obviously, that's the original membership of the band and. Subsequent, they're still going. Um, I think they might be still going, sort of in that similar form that a lot of bands do, where it's just like one or two original members, and then, right, right. You know, ideally, it's not one of those situations that you see at a casino where it's like thirty-eight special, where it's like <laughs> we're thirty-eight special, and the bass player from the tour in '84 is the only person having anything to do with the band. <laughs> But he was right. in the band for a couple of tours, right? No, it'd be great. If, it'd be great, like if um, you know, maybe we'll see that in twenty years, where like a band calling themselves Spoon, and it's they're playing for audiences with like one guy that was in Spoon for one record, right? You know, right? Who knows? No, I mean, I, I know that that when they reformed, there was there was a, a demand to get them back together, and they played, uh, I think, some of those All Tomorrow's Parties, right? Didn't they play? Oh yeah, I didn't see them myself. They didn't play ours back. Yeah, um, I've only been to the one, and I've never been to any of them. I've been to Lollapalooza and Gathering of the Tribes and a lot of those big ones, but I've I've never been to an All Tomorrow's Parties. Or have you ever been to like? You probably have never had a great outdoor festival experience, then. Uh, judging by your last sentence. I mean, yeah, right. Like <laughs> I don't know, is Lollapalooza count? Like I I wouldn't. What call was the it, best Lollapalooza you ever saw? I saw the first couple. 
um, you know, with like side stages and whatnot. But it was all a little overwhelming, frankly. Like, yeah. Do you remember like one particular set you saw at any Lollapalooza? You said you went, you went to one or two or two or three. Yeah. Yeah. No. You remember seeing one set at Lollapalooza where you're like, that was awesome. I'm happy I paid. 50 bucks to go to this thing. No, and you know, and I got in for free back when I was working at the college radio yeah, station. There's no time to brag. No, 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 no. So, like, I don't mean to brag. It was more just, just like, like, I didn't feel like I had to get my money's worth. And a lot of these were bands that I had seen at other smaller venues that I was there to see. And it just felt like too big and impersonal. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like at the Oregon one or the California one? No, or? this was back when I was in California, when I was in college in the Bay Area. Um, so it would be like at Shoreline Amphitheater. Um, and it just felt, yeah, I played there. So, so you, felt too um, big. You can't really name off the top of your head like one good thing you saw at any Lollapalooza. Well, like, I, I don't know. I'm Jeez, I, I think I might have even seen Pavement at one of the Lollapaloozas, right? Well, we played the one in 95. Oh, uh, yeah. that? No, I was, I was gone by then. Okay, so maybe it wasn't Yeah, and I'm the one, no, you know, but it was like, no, I don't know. Like, Lord knows, we only played one year. Like, you know, I saw like Jane's Addiction. I mean, it was there was no band that grabbed me that I hadn't seen at like Come a smaller down the mountain. club. Yeah, like you know, I don't know. Like it just felt a little like impersonal and big and not really my scene. But whatever. Well, it was your scene. You just didn't know. It, <laughs> I guess. No, but I'm saying <laughs> there, there are like um, I had a great conversation with a. A young gentleman named Daniel from uh, Porto in Portugal this week. Twenty-one-year-old guy, okay, and great kid. Really great to talk to him. I think we had a two-hour conversation. And so, if you're like a, a twenty-one, we were all twenty-one, and like, yeah, um, he lo- he loves music, and like, you know, a big part of the tradition of loving music is if you're European, is like, there's so many great outdoor festivals that you look forward mm. to like mm. whether they're big ones like Reading or glassonbury or like lowlands or pukle pop or roskilda or primavera sound like right. but then, then there are also like smaller ones and there's great ones i mean I've, there's ones that are like all electronic dance music ones it's beautiful places so like that it's just like a great and, and like all over europe scandinavia Germany, Holland, Southern Europe. I mean, I think I've probably played 30 different ones and like the differences between them all. But the most important thing is that the people who come aged anywhere from like 13 year olds to 73 year olds, they have, it's like the highlight of their year. So mm-hmm. um, regardless of what happens this year with these festivals, I would like to think that a young music enthusiasts like Daniel and all his friends at some point get to enjoy the sort of the great traditions in Portugal and the Iberian Peninsula or anywhere. Cause it's not an American thing. Like right. the, I mean, that's one thing I try to explain to him. Like, like, you know, and I did Lollapalooza in 95 and one of the problems is, is like, you know, we don't really have the venues. Like even if you think about like the greatest, outdoor concerts in american history essentially of the big variety happened like when we were children or before we were born right like but somehow like i think mainly because of like 
insurance and security reasons and well wouldn't you kind of say altamont fucked it all up for a long time uh, altamont i mean obviously the woodstock reputation remember that yeah. was a bit of a disaster it was a yeah. bit of a shit show but like for sure but mostly it has to do with like things like insurance yeah you know the risk like yeah. and security and stuff like that like i think we probably i can't remember how many Lollapaloozas we played but like we played every one in 95 so at least 25 or 30 or maybe more and like we had a hard time getting into them. We had like the fully laminated passes with holograms and everything, and but they, we showed up in minivans and all the other bands showed up in buses and like they wouldn't even let us in. <laughs> they didn't think. And, we're, and I was it. like, you know, we're on the main stage, you know, whatever. <laughs> we were way, way too high on the bill, like yeah. way, too, you know. I mean, Sinead O'Connor and Beck were playing before us and stuff. Like the day would start with like Jesus Lizard, like the <laughs> ultimate one a.m. band playing at one p.m. You know. <laughs> And so, like, I'd get to, like, I'd go into their dressing room, and they'd be in, like, full-blown, like, proper, like, Jesus was their party mode, and I would have just, like, just finished an egg sandwich. And now, <laughs> I mean, I love those guys. I mean, like, you talk about, thank God they were there. I mean, like, yeah, there were sure. so many great people on that tour that made it bearable, and then, I don't know. It's just so funny. I just, it's interesting to me, because the rest of the world knows how to do live outdoor festivals better than we do including canada and so i would like to think at some point they'll be able to enjoy music that way again because it's very important to them yeah sure it's not to us right it's not to us okay like hopefully soon hopefully soon i'm saying like even like three years from now you know who knows yeah who knows who knows? We'll, we'll, Anyways, I, I apologize for that aside, but that was Os Mutachis. <laughs> Aminia Manina. Aminia Manina. It's probably so, my fault. It's the first thing I a love song that made me like, like full on, like, I don't know, letters to the editor mode? Yeah. Sorry, dude. It's okay. It's par- partly my fault for mentioning all tomorrow's parties. So we'll, we'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be the Never one. Never that... take the blame. Always, you know, so he's 99% blame Bob, 1% you might. Come on, uh, you know, you're I, the engineer. I'm, I'm now going to take the blame because I'm going to play three songs. I'm going to feature. Oh, no, now you will, yeah. I'm going to feature exactly. an artist. I'm going to feature. Yeah, so it's your turn to overdo it. Exactly. Here's here's my overindulgence. Um, I'm going to play yeah. three songs by uh, one Mr. Adrian Borland. He's a legend that I think doesn't get the attention that he deserves. Founding member of the Sound, um, oh, of course, was also in. I mean, he was in a band, a collaboration with um, the Dead Kennedys, with um, East Bay Ray and Jello Biafra, called the Witch Trials. He's done solo records, but I mean, the Sound stuff, like the first Sound LP, Jeopardy, classic, yeah. abs, absolute classic, and and you know they they were making really good records on up through near the end of the seven the sorry near the end of the 80s um i think in a lot of ways like as important as joy division the chameleons bands like that even even oh it's saying a lot mate even dare i say you know like some of the songs I, again i'm a bit of a novice when it comes to borland's work you know you're obviously way more of an expert so what well, i here. want you to do if you could do me this favor, play all three back to back. Let's do like a instead of us coming on, okay, in between. So play all three back to back. I think that'd be like you know in features now. I think that's the way we should do it. Then you can then you can tell us about all 
three of your selections and why you did them. Well, here, here's what I'm going to do. So I'll, I will start with a song from The Sound from their first seven inch from 1979. And then I'll jump forward to a couple solo Adrian Borland tunes. Um, cool. I like the game plan. Yeah, one of which was a demo and another one was an acoustic song that came out uh, after he died, he 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 committed suicide, unfortunately. And Sadly, when he was forty-one, nineteen ninety-nine, he um, jumped in front of a train. Yeah, so I'll play I'll play a debut single from the sound from seventy-nine, but then I'll play a couple that kind of showcase I think his songwriting ability, um, just to show how diverse he was. Awesome. Yeah, so here you go. This first one's sound. It's called Physical World. Splinters, chrome and white 
grey dots on my TV I always thought that would be Perfect video for these times While a lonely late-nighter Plays on my hi-fi A song in the sad key from the heart of man Tells me not to be ashamed to cry A lonely late-nighter It plays on my stereo A voice in the darkness sings Convinces me that I am not alone Lonely late, lonely late A lonely late-nighter Oh, it plays on my mind Makes me feel that I'm reaching you in some crazy way Even though I know it's a lost cause this time like a bombsite Hey, I'm not moving It's a bottle of wine Better make that too Locked out the world yeah. And the only sound in here Is the click of the runoff groove Something I forgot to say to you What a lonely late nighter It plays on my hi-fi A song in the sad key from the heart of man It tells me not to be ashamed to cry A lonely late nighter It plays on my stereo Darkness convinces me that I am not alone. Lonely, late, lonely, late, a lonely, late night. It plays on my mind, it makes me feel that I'm reaching you in secret's way. Even though I know it's a lost cause this time. Adrian Borland. Wow, what a majestic songwriter he was. Yeah. Life of pain, life of pain. For sure. And I mean, like, I don't get, like, why why was he not as recognized? I mean, he put out some solo records in the 90s. I don't think they really got much attention. Um, We heard uh, a song called Dead Guitars that came out. Dead Guitar is a beautiful song. Yeah, so that came out on an album called The Last Days of the Rain Machine in 2000, the year after he um, took his own life. I, I think it was CD only. I don't think it's ever been reissued. I don't know how many were released. I don't think much was ever really made of it. Um, the other song was The Lonely Late, Late Nighter. That was a demo version of a song that came out on a CD in 94 um, called Beautiful Ammunition. That has since been reissued in Netherlands on a double LP a few years ago. 
But, you know, I mean, he's just somebody that I think kind of flies under the radar. And Well, no, I just think he just um, – and keep in mind it was a very competitive time when he operated, you know, all of, all of his bands. Um, sure. You know, late 70s, England. I mean, London band, you know, Wimbledon in particular. And, and um, there were just a lot of things going on and just like – Today, I mean, it's it's a very competitive. We've talked about this a hundred times on this podcast. Some great musicians get overlooked, and and I don't think it helped Adrian Borland. Well, no, um, and I mean, I mean, he was. I mean, I don't. Maybe maybe if he'd gotten more attention, then he would have been more desperate. But like, if you think about him, like perhaps if he had gotten his just due when he was alive, it might have helped his extreme depression. And he lived hard, really hard. I mean, I know what you know. The story of the sound breaking up. It's like his bandmates just couldn't deal with him because they were worried about him all the time. And like, yeah, and he had some know. major mental health issues, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, and like you know, again, to be quite frank, I can only really speak from my own ex- experience. And like, um, of course, I suffer from anxiety myself, but I always found that you know, being in bands with troubled individuals whether it be specifically in my case you know my dear friend gary young and you know my dear friend david berman that you spend a lot of time worrying so much about them and their mental crises that it it makes the whole entire atmosphere difficult so you know i don't know adrian borland work when i was a kid i didn't listen to him i'd heard the first two i never heard the third song he played i heard the first two but uh obviously he was difficult so like one thing about i mean saying difficult to work with so one but one thing about being in bands and and whether it's practicing or recording or touring um the stress level is incredibly high unless you're in this unusually advantageous position of like working with all sane people. But then how often does that really happen? I mean, I've been on hundreds of tours now with hundreds of people, both as a band member and tour manager and roadie and driver and t-shirt guy and all kinds of things. Like there's always at some point where, where there's a somebody suffering and like, including myself when I lost 28 pounds in 12 days in 1997 when I had a horrible case of salmonella poisoning. So it just, it brings the whole tour down. Even if you tour small, even if it's just a handful of people, you know? Yeah. So it's just like at some point, like you take this like sort of human responsibility or you go back into it and things are scheduled and you want to show up for everything. But like, you know, God bless Adrian Borland. Like, like you said, when he was 41 and jumped in front of a train, you know, and, and there are there are some people who, when they after they do that, after they die, regardless of the circumstances of their death, you know, sometimes they're revered and made larger. I think, sadly, Adrian has been a bit forgotten. You know, I haven't heard. Well, we talked about that. We talked about that in particular, like when Joe Strummer died. Yeah. Because when Joe Strummer died, and obviously. He was a huge rock star, you know, mm-hmm. and but it was just like 
it was like a footnote or something like and now like when an artist dies you know whether normal times or even in the last 10 days we've lost some important musical artists right bill withers just died yesterday or a couple a couple days ago yeah i can't remember the name off the top of my of my head but the gentleman from fountains of wayne oh yeah adam Adam schlesinger i think is his name yeah yeah and so that you know it makes a huge impact on people so then they in this day and age perhaps with better access to music and you know just the internet in general um they have the opportunity to then completely so then like like when Bowie died, you know, or Bowie, David Bowie, whatever I mean, you know, somebody like that who's or Tom Petty, you know, like Right. It bec- it becomes like almost like, you know, so Or even Grant I, Hart, I, you know. I'm sorry, even who? Even Grant Hart when he passed away, you know, there was yeah, a I mean, lot of attention. David, David Berman, I mean, you know, yeah, the sure. I never I mean, I knew that David, to me, like, as a lyricist and poet, like, you know, was a god to me, you know. But I didn't know so many people felt the same way until after he died. Right. And, like, I, you know, I often think, like, I don't know how, I don't, I don't think he knew that either, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, I, you know, anyways, but tough act to follow. Yeah, Adrian Borland. And, like, keep in mind, like, you know, we're obviously concentrating at this point as we should on safety mm-hmm. and during this insane global pandemic. Um, and I, of course, am disappointed to report that I live in a state where we're one of eight or nine or ten or something that haven't completely shut down and it's insane, but the thing that bothers me a lot at the same time is the mental health aspects right. of what we're going through, right. and we won't hear about that. Right, a lot and, of you know, even access. Like, I mean, like, yeah. are people? I don't even know. Like, are people allowed to go to see their psychiatrist and their psychologist? I mean, like, how's that working? Are they doing that on the phone or like a video? I've got a, a friend a of, who's a psychologist yeah. in Nashville. I should contact Carol Tully and see how she's operating. You know, yes. Yeah. Video, a lot of video conferencing for for a lot of yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, see, that's another great thing about the internet. So, right. I mean, to be honest, if I was a mental health patient myself, um, I would almost rather conduct things over Skype than <laughs> to go to a, yeah. an office. Sure. You know, so sure. so anyways, yeah. we conduct this thing over Skype, and as we've shown you throughout the course of this show and just about every show we've ever done, we don't really have a game plan, but <laughs> we do pick some songs here and there, and like, I kind of feel bad for this really cool band from from Charlottesville that I'm going to play next. Charlottesville is a city that's, you know, very near and dear to my heart. Of course. Um uh this is a band this this is basically the the main guy is a guy named Adam Brock and he was in a a, a band I heard uh, like when I I when I get a chance to go to Charlottesville like the DJs there's I always say what's going on in Charlottesville? There has to be some great stuff going on in Charlottesville. And I remember about, you know, years ago them saying, "Oh, there's a great band called Y'all from here." And then and and uh, this guy's also in a band called Weird Mob, and um, he's still going strong. Released a record recently. His band is a guy named Adam Brock, and they put out their records on a label like ours. Imagine, hopefully, a little bigger. 
called Speaker Tree, and this is off their 2011 album, Stellar Hoax. It's a really pretty slice of, of uh, rock music called Run Rabbit Through the Haze.
So I like that. That was that was really cool. So you mentioned Adam Brock, who I guess is the singer songwriter, but um, you didn't mention the band. That was Borrowed Beams of Light. Yeah, Borrowed Beams of Light, and um, at the time, I don't know what their current personnel is. That was 2011. That was um, Jordan Brunk, Dave Gibson, Adam Brock, um, Marie Landragen, L. I-N-D-R-A-G-I-N, Nathan Walsh, and, and Ray Zabowski. So, like, I can see them being, like, a really great power pop band. Sure. They they seem they have a band camp page. They seem to be somewhat current, at least from a few years ago. Oh, yeah, ago. no, they have a newish album. Um, a newish album that yeah. I listened to, you know, but I was going to try to play one of their more well-recognized tunes in the hope that people would be interested in them. Borrowedbeamsoflight.bandcamp.com I like that band name. I like that. Yeah. It's a bit of a mouthful, that, you know, Borrowed Beams of Light. It's, uh, it's pretty. Because I listen to y'all. I listen to y'all, like, which is also great. <laughs> it's a funny band name, y'all. <laughs> y'all. Hey, y'all. y'all. I One will. thing about, like, if you notice that, like, you've never really lived in a region of the country where southern accents prevail. Like, I'm probably one of your friends with, like, I mean, how many friends have you had with, like, true southern accents? Uh, I mean, a, a handful. But, y- yeah, you you notice when they say words like y'all. Because <laughs> most well, people Well, it's so don't. easy. Like, you know. Yeah. It's, you know, y'all. Y'all get over here, you know. Yeah. But um, one thing I've noticed since I moved to Des Moines, 14 years ago and of course before that I lived in Louisville for 14 years and was raised in Richmond, Virginia and I spent a lot of time in the deep south a lot of time and that you become like the oddest thing about for me right now like if I was going to Louisville uh, anytime soon would be just be surrounded by people with southern accents I was even watching the um, the fool who governs Georgia Mm-hmm. Um, today make a speech and like just like there's a certain aspect of it sadly that makes my skin crawl I just and I, I love it I mean there's people like my wife's from Louisiana and she has a lovely accent but like it is like there's a certain like you'll be like in this cluster um, and be like wow like this used to be so familiar with me and now like I, it's it's hard for me to take I don't know it's weird yeah. Anyways, I, 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 but bar beams of light are cool. Um, yeah, that was that was that was good. I'll, I'll definitely check them out. Um, yeah, I think I guarantee. Like, if you go through, like, if you band camp them, and like, you'll find some music that you love on there. This guy, this guy's a good songwriter, for sure, for sure. Thanks for the tip. Um, I'll I'll check them out. Um, all right. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna actually go back to. Uh, a few shows ago, we p- talked about and played. Um, we talked about Y Records, the letter Y. Oh yeah, Y. Um, because you played some Shriek back. We talked a little bit about uh, um, what else? Pop group is on Y, right? Your spine um, is the baseline. Yeah, Are you gonna play the pop group? Have we played the pop group? I don't think we've played the pop group. Um, well, let's just put that on the old roster. Y Records also released a Sun Ra LP, um, and they released some records by the band that I'm going to play next, um, uh, Glaxo Babies. Have you ever heard Glaxo Babies? I've heard of them. Yeah. You, you mentioned them to me, and like I listened to a few songs, so I'm, I'm interested to hear what you're going to pick. So they... Um, so like, this is like, you know, keep in mind, like, do you know the name of the guy that started the label, the Y? And I think the 
as late seventies or early eighties. Lots of babies. The slits were on there, you know. The slits, yeah, of course. We played them. Yep. Maximum Joy. Um, d- uh, the name of the guy that started it, Dick Odell. Dick, Dick Odell. Dick Odell. Sounds like such like a record, <laughs> like a nineteen eighty record company executive. <laughs> hey, this is Dick from Y. dick from y um (laughs) yeah so uh glaxo babies they released i think one lp at the time maybe two um put me on the guest list was their first record uh this is a song from that it's called police state just a good you know british pop punk kind of more punk experimental noise um but yeah, this is this is a good catchy little song, Police State. I love the way you're like your mind is late seventies England and like what I've been listening to is like Brazilian weirdness and then sprinkling in some reggae. Yeah. Some like old school reggae. So like yeah. that'll come out and that'll come up and come out in upcoming shows. So Perfect. All right. Well here you go. Glaxo babies. So yeah, Glaxo Babies. <laughs> Proper P Rock, man. Yeah, I mean, you we know, talked like... about the Saturday night. They're still going. They formed in '77, so you'd assume they were like they're born in '60, sort of thing. Okay, they're still around. They're, they're they're back. They're yeah. back. Maybe they're, they're, of course, they're from Bristol, you know, West England. Like, yeah, they seem like an ideal opening band for a band that you played on the show's great live called Idols. Yeah, one of the you know, one I mean, the most ex- biggest live bands in the world. In our world, or whatever they um, they seem like the sort of band like the Mekons, you know, early on, uh, like that mutant pop 
fast products. Yeah, we love the mutant pop. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, clearly not a band that formed because they were fast be- records because of their mu- musicianship. Clearly, they were a band that formed because they just wanted to make some noise. You know, well, and, I mean, like, what else is there to do when you don't know how to play, mate? Yeah. Right, right. And, uh, come on. <laughs> That's the, one of the great things. Like, you don't have to know how to play to get in the game. <laughs> it's like you form a band and then get a gig and then you learn how to play, right? I mean, I, I personally, I highly recommend having at least one talented person in the band. But <laughs> And, uh, I mean. <laughs> Worked out well for you, man. Well, certainly don't look at yourself and be like, you know, like, bring the talent. Just gonna fall well, you, see, you know, the thing is like, well, Glaxo Babies, they brought the spirit, you know. Yeah, right. They, I mean, So like, you know, that you can't, under, you can't underestimate that, the spirit I, of the punk. I would imagine that would be a fun live band to see, you know. There are a few things more exciting. Oh, yeah. Apparently we'll have the opportunity if we go to Bristol in the next three years, hopefully. Well, it's booked. Great it. city. I've, I've spent a lot of time there. Let's book it. We, can, Wales, we can buy cheap tickets now and, and travel later. Well, you know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, like, hopefully once they have a, an effective vaccine, then then you and I will be able to take uh, road trips. Let's do it. Deal. Yeah. So you Three songs to, pod on the you road. Need to go to the, you, you need to go to the British race course, mate. Yeah. On the road. Three songs have you pod. Have you been to England? I have. It's been it's been a long while, but I I've, I have been. Let me get you back there when they reopen the doors. Okay. You know, sounds because they won't. I don't know if they're going to let any of us in. You that's, know, that's, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, at least I not for a while. It. No. Anyways, I'm going to go to your town, my friend. Take I'm us home. Finish the show in your town. Take us home, Bob. The great town of Portland, Oregon. Yeah, you you. This is uh, two shows in a row. You've played a Portland artist. Yeah, because like you live there, yeah. and like you know. But this is uh, Dear Nora, who've been around for 20 years now. And they just, uh, not too long ago, like a year or two ago, made their fourth studio album, which is great. Skull's Example. And it's the work of Kate da- Katie Davidson's amazing. And uh, in this case, back then, because I'm playing an older one, um, called The Lonesome Border Port, Port One. Part One. Do you know Magic Marker Records? Yeah. They've, gone on, they've stopped, haven't they? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I'm familiar. What a great name for a label. Yeah. They, sure. they made so many great records. But I think they must have stopped. I know they started around 2000, maybe a year or two before. Lasted for 10 years and maybe said to hell with it. It's tough sledding know. for record labels these days, as you know. Well, not really because, you know. <laughs> although I do have two new signings, but. We'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, signings. I don't actually sign anybody. I just say, <laughs> hey, I'll pay for everything, and if we sell some, hopefully I'll get paid back. I'm going to start calling I mean, you Dick Odell. <laughs> yeah, I wish I was Dick Odell. I mean, the reason why Broker Stip, it's just like um, what well, we've talked about it before, same with Little Brother. It's just like you don't get in this game in the hope of making money no. off a record label and if it happens then yeah. it's because you stumbled into something brilliant or you know how to run a business in my case it's just like i refuse to take a penny and i just want to make sure that 
bands that I think are great have an opportunity to sell seven inch pieces of vinyl at their shows. And if I get, you know, partially paid back, that's fine with me. And if there's any profits to be made, it goes to the bands, you know, yeah. and like, sounds like anyways, socialism. <laughs> it just sounds like a recipe for failure, but like, it's about, it's about love of them. It's, it's just about the same reason we do this podcast, but we celebrate a lot of artists who are great. Like, Celebrate it's the about music. Yeah. giving people opportunities that, like, at least in, in my case, I've been very fortunate. So um, this is the Lonesome Border Part 1 off of the 2004 album Mountain Rock by Dear Nora. That was a beautiful song cheers mate cheers short, mate yeah. short little one beautiful thank you it's for the pdx yeah appreciate it um we'll do this again soon love you stay safe stay yeah. healthy and thank you everyone for listening yeah thank you very much pleasure <laughs>